Hey there, Rod. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to The Change Room. This is episode two of our podcast, and we are excited to keep talking to you this week a little bit about the topic of change and all of its different permutations and variations and combinations, some of which excite us, some of which drive us crazy. And uh, really, it's for Rod and me, this is all about how do we share our experiences, the books we've read, the thoughts we've had, the conversations we've had with one another, uh, and share that with all of you in the hopes uh, to make it a little bit easier for you to get through change on a personal and a professional level. Rod, anything you want to add to that? Nothing. Uh, that's great intro, Leslie. Thanks very much. I'm just always uh, enjoying the anticipation of a great conversation with you. Um, so I'm really Same. looking forward to it. Me too. So friends, we have a we have a bit of a meandering path to get to our topic today. And eventually we're going to talk a little bit about perfectionism and how it can... Uh, really inhibit our ability to lead and live happy, content, wonderful lives. But it's a little bit of a, as often happens with, with me and Rod, it's a little bit of a winding journey to get there. So we were having this really interesting conversation uh, at work the other day. In fact, we were doing a webinar together with a bunch of uh, other change folks on the line. And we were talking a little bit about system one and system two thinking. Rod, since you're the brains of this organization, do you want to talk a little bit about, do you want to share the system one, system two sure. ideas? Oh, you're too kind. Yes, for sure. Just as a, um, I won't go into too much depth, but, depth, but system one and system two is a, is a uh, simple model to think about uh, how our brain works when we're taking in information and reacting and making decisions. It's, um, a researcher named Daniel Kahneman, and actually a pair of them, Daniel Kahneman and Avos uh, Tversky, Tversky uh, uses this term as they're describing um, biases and unconscious biases. Mm. And essentially what it says is the system one is a very fast uh, way for our brain to react. So if somebody uh, says a quick joke to you and you laugh very quickly, you don't think about it too much, but it just on the surface it right. seemed funny. Uh, that's system one. If you're doing a very easy uh, math calculation or if you're driving your car because you've been you're driving for, for 20 years, it's all very automated. It's, it's system one. System two is the part where you start when your brain is like thinking and reflecting about a situation. So when you are learning to drive a car, that learning part, that's system two. It's, you're taking more brain power. You can't be thinking about other things at the same time. It's where the, you know, the logic thinking of the brain, you know, in our first uh, episode right. when we were talking about fight or flight and and mm -hmm. um, how when you're feeling threatened, that logic part is shut down. Well, the, the system, too, is, is that logic part. So um, right. I think we were talking about saying, you know, sometimes in that, those, those kind of automated reactions where our brain is just clicking and working without us really thinking about it, Sometimes that reaction is, you know, it, as as our as we learn and become more aware of uh, of people and and groups and um, and sometimes things that we've well, said. Well, here's and done. the real deal, Rod. We had an incident, didn't we? 
We had an incident on our call where Rod gave me a math test to test out my system two thinking. And he said, try and do this multiplication and describe to me in your head and describe to me what you did yesterday. And I said, automatically, pure system one all day long. No way, Jose. I can't do that. And then the conversation and then the conversation went on. And even as those words were coming out of my mouth, I thought, what, what are you saying in today's, what are you saying? Leslie Mead, sorry, I probably shouldn't give my whole name, but here we are. (laughs) Like, what, what was I thinking? That is such a horrible term that I grew up saying just by rote. And I think that's what you're getting at, Rod, right? Is that system one is that automatic response. I was being cheeky and I thought lighthearted, um, but then as we got into the conversation, I, I had to, my system two kicked in mm-hmm. and I started to just feel horribly about what I'd said. Yeah. And so and, you're and saying- then what did you see? You were, and then I called it out because I have to confess everything because that is my nature. And then you were really kind after that. Do you remember what you said to me? You were really kind well, and I'd, compassionate. I would say uh, I probably said something like the because i don't remember exactly what i said so well first is i hadn't noticed it when you mentioned it but i we were in the conversation and i was you know thinking about what i was going to say next too but you know these things happen you know i tell you right now i i think what i said was look it happened your reaction particularly when it's your an automated reaction it's it's hard to control in the moment you have to recognize it but give yourself a break too because it's Right. Um, to get hung up about, and I say this out of great personal experience about getting hung up about, <laughs> hung up about things yeah. I've said, um, like that, that it, it, it's not effective. It's not, uh, good for, for any of us to, for, in those moments to worry a lot about it, but it's so important to recognize it because right. that's how right. you, that's how you then change for the next time. And change it. Yeah. yeah, 100%. And it was so interesting. So friends uh, out there, we we had this, we were doing this webinar for all these people and it was on fight or flight and how the brain works and all these other cool things that we want to talk to all of you about. But this conversation, I felt because of that moment, we had Slido open and we had people sending in questions. So many of the questions started coming in and being about bias. Mm-hmm. And it just felt so... Um, appropriate to where we were Mm -hmm. and uh and to where we are right now and so that's why we really it it, the whole session i would say the whole conversation between us and the people listening really changed Mm -hmm. um and maybe it needed to you know you know Mm -hmm. i'm a big believer in that stuff maybe Mm -hmm. it needed to change and it needed to be more about bias Mm -hmm. so what were some of the questions do you remember what some of the questions were that people were asking well one um some were like how how can you check the bias? How could you change it? Yeah. Um, the other is how can, you know, how do you, how do I get rid of my bias? I remember that one. Yeah. I think my very saucy answer to that was something like, well, if you're alive, you have biases. Yes. So getting rid of them means you're dead. Let's not wish that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's... really, if we're alive, we have bias. It's just, it's reality. It's how we handle that. It's what we do with it yes. that I think makes the big difference, yeah. right? Yeah. And these are, these bi- the, the, the use of term bias to, to say like our automated processes. So, you know, it's the, the way that the brain works in a very quick manner. 
without doing super analysis of a situation leads to words that you say, you know, driving, you're not, you're not thinking of every moment, but, but, you know, like, so driving, for example, there's not an expression to say we have some form of bias on effective driving without thinking about it, but it's the same analogy. So it's the one thing I, I think as well is the word bias, uh, now covers a wide range of different situations and and there are different applications and people's uh, meaning towards it so right on a very academic sense these are like let me you know explaining how for example uh confirmation bias is to say you know you look for information if you're given information you're going to look for the things that confirm what you already believe and right. that's a bias towards confirming your your current beliefs. In a normal sense, that there's nothing negative around that. It's so it's like almost it, you wouldn't you I wouldn't try to actively change having these automated processes. It's about being aware that these occur. Right. Right. So that right. you can start to recognize some of that. Well, and I like to think today in today's day and age also dig ourselves out from it a little bit you know kind of look for different ways of finding out information than just the people in your circle or um reading all sorts of different types of news and not just sticking to the one that's most aligned to your political Mm -hmm. beliefs is another way of doing it but you know it's just uh i think more important now than ever before to be aware of one's biases. Mm-hmm. Um, not again, because we're going to beat them out of ourselves because we're not, but that mm-hmm. awareness. And I really liked what you said, Rod, about, um, you know, once you acknowledge it, once you shine light on it, once you talk about it, it does start to loosen its grip a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we should never we should never think that the bias is 100% going to go away. Mm-hmm. It would be lovely if it did, but it really is not. Exactly. And so I think that a good part of our conversation was it was saying like you get give yourself so acknowledge it, be courageous to say to others that you're acknowledging like you did. You kind of told everybody in the call like, hey, I said this, uh, and that's not acceptable. I was mortified. To me. And yeah, I, and I, I was, was like, you got, so which is really good. And then I hope you give yourself a break afterwards and not to carry that feeling of whether it was guilt or whatever. Um, and I think that shame as well, definitely shame, guilt and shame, well sprinkled in yeah. for sure. But, but I think that's how we morphed the conversation to perfectionism, yes. right? Rod? Yeah. Because we were saying like, there's no sense in beating ourselves up. If you say something and you genuinely apologize afterwards, which mm-hmm. I, I really hope that the folks on the, on the webinar really felt my genuine apology, but, um, you know, then how do we how do we get past that and just sort of the difference between perfectionism, which mm-hmm. would have been continuing to beat myself up for that and mm-hmm. feel terribly about myself versus holding yourself accountable and holding yourself to a higher standard mm-hmm. so that hopefully I don't do something similar to that again. Right, exactly. And I think that's where we wanted to morph the chat today. Yes. How do we how do we get out of that perfectionism drag? Because it's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And uh, recovering perfectionist uh, fully and more into the mode of holding ourselves accountable. Mm-hmm. And so let, maybe the uh, place to start is talking about that balance. Be- and I'd say, mm-hmm. so if, 
if you said to somebody, you could say to me, Rod, don't be a perfectionist. Um, I'd be like, okay, well, I'm not going to worry about whatever I do. I'm just going to do whatever right. you know, comes up and whatever that is, is good enough. You know, and hey, I'm, sarah, sarah. Yeah. yes. But there's a, and then this is the balance. So, and then you just, yeah, it's describing like holding yourself accountable to what is it holding yourself accountable to the standard that you set for yourself? Is that the yeah, full sentence? Yeah, I think so. Versi- that, that's what feels right to me. Yeah. And I would say that versus a, the standard that you think others hold f- for you, because there, there's a balance here. And oh, I, yeah. I'm, Oh gosh, yes. I venture in without knowing how to complete the thought, but it's it's you know, it's it's when it's you're you're worried about the other's view of your actions, someone else's, your boss, your significant other, your the world. Uh, someday maybe we'll talk about intrinsic and extrinsic rewards mm, and how to you know how to feel that sense of satisfaction just within yourself for your own work and what you've done Mm. but yeah I agree I agree with you I think it's a dangerous time right now to hold ourselves accountable to some other crazy internet standard yeah um you know, keeping up with the Joneses used to just be your neighbors. Now it's it's everyone around the globe. Right. And so, you know, it definitely has to be that internal bar that mm-hmm. you're that you're setting. Yeah. Now so right? Leslie, could you define or how do you define perfectionism? As we might be what thinking. What a juicy of it. question. What a juicy question. To me, it is setting a standard that is so in my lived experience Mm -hmm. it is setting a standard that is unattainable uh and then um almost getting paralyzed by this notion that unless i can do that thing in that way to this aplomb and applause then nothing else is good enough Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's that it's the unattainability and then it's the that paralysis that that can create because you know in your heart that you can never achieve whatever that thing is that external thing that you want to achieve that's kind of that's that's my lived experience of it Mm -hmm. and then all the internal talk that goes around it saying you're not this enough you're too much of that if only you Mm -hmm. had this or didn't have that it's all of that my girlfriend used to call it her committee it's what your committee in your head is saying about that Mm -hmm. thing as well that Mm -hmm. is you know, can really, really drag you down. Mm -hmm. And at a time when we're, you know, the changes that we're going to make likely in the next little while are, are, it's going to be every individual bite-sized chunks, Mm -hmm. uh, understanding our our biases and getting over them. If we, if we hold perfectionism as our our ideal, we'll never get there. Like there's just, there's no hope of getting there. Mm -hmm. If we have that perfectionism ideal, it just will completely freeze us. Mm So you can tell I've done a little bit of thinking, guys, mm-hmm. about perfectionism. Teeny tiny little bit. Spent some time with my therapist yes. on this one. Not going to lie. <laughs> Not going to lie to you, friends. <laughs> um, and, you know, me too. Me too. I think the nar- you mentioned mm-hmm. the, the, the voice in the head, the narrative, the self-talk. is The, the committee. Dr- yeah, the committee, right. Um, is, is the driver of much of of people's search for perfection and 
to be better. I think, you know, there's, I would say I, there, there, there are many examples in, uh, I would work, but also personal situation where, um, that voice also gets, comes from people around you too, which then it, 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 yeah. It's like it seeds, or let me say, I, I think of this because you, if you see kids and I like, uh, um, with parents or grandparents, and then they're, they're what they're saying to the kids, like, oh, you shouldn't do that. You should, it should oh. be this. You should have done this instead of that. And it's the, it's this again. It's kind of that balance question because yeah, you want to help the child learn or or the person or adult right. learn. But then on the other side, it's that voice of, well, I, I should have been better. I could have been better. Right, right. You know, I would. And what is the balance of that with kids? Because you do want kids to learn how, and this is like, maybe this is the question, right? How do we set high standards? Because I believe in high standards, mm -hmm. but not the crippling kind right. where, you know, it puts everything on pause almost. Yeah, yeah. The um, um, I w there, sorry, there's one thing to come to mind, which is not necessarily answering that question, but just to, to kind of highlight the importance of this topic is um, there's a couple of books. I read a book once by a guy named uh, Tal Ben-Shahar, I think his name. He, he had a Harvard class on happiness. He wrote a book. Cool. He wrote a book called Happier. It's a very good book. It kind of goes over like all the, the the theory and thinking about how to lead a happy life. And yeah. so his follow up book on you know where where to next on helping people advance uh, to greater happiness in their life. He realized it had to be around perfection, and it and it's interesting. It's getting over being perfect, right? And then right uh, and. Uh, Another that's actually I, I was did a little in my little prep for our conversation did a little search on the different books there there are many there's even a top ten of books on profession perfectionism but there's another one where uh, same idea self help like how to get you know happier right. spot in life and the the way that the the author is saying is John Acuff A C U F F he uh, wrote a book about getting to finish. And so he, oh. and it, he did a thing. He's like, oh, he engaged a research department. They researched all this stuff and they realized the most important thing is, again, people getting stressed out about perfectionism. In, in his sense, it was like, how do you get stuff done to a standard? And I guess here's, right. so in my meander, here's how I'm connecting it back to the balance of standard. Uh, you know, setting yourself <laughs> a standard and perfecting. It's like, how do you, and and the part that, I mean, there's many things in the book, but one of the things that I, I remember is it's it's about how you define done and finished and how you right, separate right, that out. Right. So it's, uh, you know, like somebody might say, I want to read more books this year. And then it'd be like, OK, well, how many books should you read to feel like you're doing a good job and reading more books this year? Their, their neighbor might say, well, I read a book a week, so I'm going to read 52 books this year. And then mm -hmm. that, so then that becomes your standards. Like, okay, if I'm doing a good job of reading books, I'm going to read 52. And then when you don't, 
because like that, this is an you example. Feel like crap. Yeah, and then it's like, well, I, I can't do this well enough because I haven't done it to this standard. So the the idea in this book is, you have to really take ownership of how you define that standard. So you could read more by reading a book a month. Or what does reading a right. book mean? Right. Reading a book means could be like. Uh, listening to an audio book in one sense it could be reading a right like right. is it a hundred page book or is it a thousand page book so the part of the to the answer of finding a balance is also is being very aware of how you're defining what it is that you're doing and what's done how would you find completed um, and being able to shape that and not by whatever you are imagining what is the universal right. definition of the thing that you're working on to make it perfect? You know, it's so can I share a personal story mm -hmm. on this front with you, Rod? As always, you, uh, you know, prompt my brain with your thinking. So um, for the last couple of years, I have been thinking about, well, no, I have been thinking about writing a book about all of my change experiences. Really? But I don't actually ever want to write a book. Like I am so not a sit down, write person. That is just not my jam. I'm a music person. That's what I love. Um, but I do. So, so I've had this like weird goal in the back of my head and then, and then you and I met and we started talking about all this cool change stuff. And then I whispered to you that one time, I think I want to start a podcast. <laughs> and you were like, Oh my God, I want to do a podcast. And I'm like, this is more Talking to somebody and talking about change and talking about experiences is way more my happy place right. than sitting by myself and writing. But for a couple of years, I was kind of beating myself up because I'm like, okay, this weekend, I'm going to sit down for an hour, just an hour, and I'm going to write. And then inevitably, the weekend would pass and I would go, dude, I hadn't yeah. written a word, you know? And so I was feeling really badly about myself. And then I thought... This is just the wrong medium. Like, that's just not the right medium for me. Yeah. And now that we found this medium, I love telling change stories. Yeah. I love sharing all these experiences with people. Like, it's just, it is so my jam. It is so my happy place. But I, I had confined myself to thinking that unless I write it down in a book, it's not good enough. Mm -hmm. And that to me is like the example yes. as you were talking about what you were talking about that to me is the example i'd set this weird goal for myself yeah. that i didn't even really want right and uh and now i look like i just i feel so liberated mm -hmm. this is so much more fun yeah i would rather sit and talk to you on a sunday morning than anything <laughs> sit and write for an hour i'm so not that person yeah it is actually it's a great example and and i i think the um, you know, it can extrapolate to many different areas where, uh, like, you know, at work, for example, you're given some task, it's super, always tasks are super ambiguous, and how we define it and how we define complete, it's as much, um, even how we define the process of how we're going to get there, uh, right. is, is where I think the magic happens in this balance. And where the the that magic of like having standards versus uh, um, you know seeking perfectionism, um, but it's also right. It's like expanding your thing. You know, your example. It's expanding your thinking about well, really at the core, it's about sharing your creativity and your experience right. and your knowledge. Right. The medium 
could be different things, you know. Yeah, books and are... so extremely liberating to let go of this notion. I thought perfection was mm -hmm. writing a book mm -hmm. versus I now think that I can actually and, you know, we spend prep time doing this. We prepare on the day of and we prepare before. And that time is energizing to me. You know, and so that's the other, I think if we think, and we're, we're probably getting close to when we should start thinking about wrapping up, but as we think about whether, how you'll know whether you're holding yourself accountable versus feeling the drag of perfectionism, you will feel more energized mm -hmm. if what you're doing is setting high standards and holding yourself accountable to those high standards mm -hmm. versus setting a, per, a perfectionist type of standard that no one could achieve and will inevitably drain the energy out of you. So yeah. if you're trying to understand the difference between those two things in your own life, think about how how it feels to think about that thing, that task that you've set mm. for yourself, whether it's work or personal, and um, and feel like, am I energized by this or do I just feel a drag from it? And yeah. if you feel a drag, there's a, there's a good chance that you've set some sort of perfectionist standard that, um, yeah. you know, and I think that if, if there's the a if there's a mantra to say to yourself through any of this stuff is is to remind yourself to give yourself a break on the worry. Like it's it's OK yes. to uh, have tried something, seen that it's falls, fails your own standard or fails someone else's standard. That's OK. Like that doesn't mean doesn't have any comment on you as a person. Um, right, right. And it's okay. And how you react to that, whether you're like, okay, I've learned, I want to try this better, or it's like, I don't care about this anymore. That's okay too. Hey, I don't, I know right. we do want, we, keeping time is good. And I'm, the way that I'm set up today is actually, I have no idea how long we've been talking for. Uh, if we, if you, if you're willing, because let's see, I like doing these, yes. these ideas come up. And by the way, I have an idea for another podcast we, we, we could do. And it'd be me, ask, me asking you random questions that you have no, prep for <laughs> i would love to do that actually that is my idea of of the most fun thing ever so here, yes. here's a totally uh a thought that came to mind what could we do it like a mini role play because I, I was gonna i was like i want to ask you let's oh. see, what, what advice would you give to somebody who you find kind of seeing in a situation where maybe they're um getting stuck on worried about what they're doing and so, and then I thought, oh, let's maybe do it as a role play. Like, I, I'm on your team. I'm I'm the person, or I'm not even. It doesn't even have to be at work. It could be your friend, at side of work. So I think I would start by asking questions, right? Like I would ask questions like, um, "What does perfect look like in this situation? Mm -hmm. What would it cost to get to that perfect solution?" What would good enough look like in this situation? Mm -hmm. And what would it take to get to good enough? Is there a happy place in between ah. perfect and good enough? And what would it take to get to that place? And then sort of talk about it in terms of effort and reward, right? And, and through that, hopefully tease out that there is a middle ground between the dreaded good enough and the unattainable perfect and mm -hmm. that maybe it's that middle point that we shoot for yeah and so how do we how do we how do we get to that 
How do we get to that point? But I think first the person has to, there has to be an acknowledgement that what is sought initially is perfection. Okay. Now, well, what are, and then we just have to talk ourselves down off that ledge. So if, I, <laughs> if you say, uh, what's perfect look like? What is good enough? And I say, uh, listen, I, I don't want to be just good enough. Like being good enough is not going to yeah. get me where I, 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 I need to go. I need to. Yeah, I, need to I would say I don't want you to just be good enough either. So let's, but let's describe it just for the sake of fun. Mm-hmm. Let's describe what good enough looks like. Just as like a mental exercise, mm-hmm. let's describe what good enough looks like. And then sort of write them down. I like columns. They make me happy. Sort of write down perfect on one side, write down good enough on the other, and mm-hmm. then try to find in the middle what's common between those two things. Where can we maybe shed some of the perfection things? Where can we maybe augment some of the good enough things and find that place in the middle mm-hmm. um, that gives that gives you in this case, but gives that sense of satisfaction of a job well done because mm-hmm. nobody wants to lose that sense of satisfaction of a job well done. Mm-hmm. But um, while still, you know, not... If it's not this quote in giant air quotes, perfect model that we can still feel good about ourselves, that we can still feel good about the work that we're doing um, and feel appreciative, mm-hmm. you know, of mm-hmm. that work. Okay, can because I... perfect costs a lot of money and takes a lot of time, yes. like a lot, lot, lot. And so, you know, there comes a point where it's almost like a risk reward ratio yeah. or a cost benefit analysis of what is the cost of this perfect standard um, that we all have in our heads. Let's not mm-hmm. kill our, let's not kid ourselves. You know what I mean? We all have that in our heads. But what is that perfect standard mm-hmm. in quotes? And then how do we find that place where... Um, good enough is enough. I mean, COVID taught me a lot about that because everything moved so fast um, during COVID that we had to do things in a way that weren't as perfect as members of my team likes to be. And so I spent a lot of time talking them down off the ledge that 80% solutions are sometimes a dream come true. Mm -hmm. And we just got to be honest about when is 80% okay. Um, we got to have those tough conversations because as human beings, we're not really programmed for that, right. you know? Right. Yeah. So what, yeah. okay, my last question, and then from the role play, I say, okay, well, look, you know, I, Johnny over there, he he's able to do uh, this at that high perfect sense. So we've defined perfect, we've defined good enough. Yeah. I, I just, I can't. It takes me so much effort to get to this level, and I see Johnny over there, and he's he's doing it, and and like, you know, just compared to him, um, I I just can't do it. I feel like a failure. Yeah, that's so tough, right? And I think you've probably had people come to you and say that, Rod, and I've had people come and say that to me. And I think the thing there is to just remember that you can't compare yourself to other people. You really can't, and. Everyone has their own superpower. And so what Johnny is really great at and can perhaps do a little bit faster than you or differently from you, you have another thing that is your superpower that Johnny probably is looking at and going, ugh, I wish I could be more X the way Rod is, Mm -hmm. right? And so 
it doesn't mean that we all have to, in fact, nor would we want, this is the beauty of diversity. We don't want everybody to be the same. We don't Mm -hmm. want everybody to get to the same place at the same speed in the same way. That is, you know, that is the opposite of diversity from a thinking perspective. And I think that that is equally important as all the other types of diversity Mm -hmm. um, is that you're bringing in different modes of thinking. So I don't have any expectation of you to be Mm -hmm. as fast as Johnny, because you're awesome in these other ways that, you know, perhaps other people are on the team aren't. Mm -hmm. And that's like, I think, I think that recognition that we all do have something special in us that we are good at, that is a superpower is so important in this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because what we're really talking about is when we, you know, beat the snot out of ourselves for silly things that are out of our control very often. And um, we don't, we don't need to, we don't need to compare ourselves to other people. We don't need to be as this or not as that as anybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, what are you really great at? And do all of, do all of those things, mm-hmm. <laughs> find those things that make you happy, that you're really good at mm-hmm. and, uh, and do all those things. And then perfectionism can also start to um, sort of fade a little bit into the background. Once you find what your jam is and what you love doing, because mm-hmm. you, you just know that you're going to do a good job because you love what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that, that is was so me critical. doing a lot of diatribe talking. Yeah, it's so critical. And then, <laughs> and so stepping out of the my role play for a second, I would add throughout all this is to you know say to yourself, it's okay, whatever level you are. If if you know, if there's like a genius that you're working with, and you're not a genius then that's it's great that you're working with the genius you, you don't have to be as smart as that Learn. other person right like right 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 it's okay to no. yeah, we all we do have different levels that like that's the beauty of humanity is that we're not all just carbon copies of each other um and so how boring would life be yeah right and i mean ew who wants to lead that life not right. me um so it's the end it's like give her you know give yourself a break if you're if it's about thinking that you need to meet a higher standard that is bringing stress as you're uh, thinking about it anyhow that i think is a beautiful way to end ron Mm -hmm. i think that is a very lovely ending yeah so we want to say sorry you go i was just gonna uh thank you very much again i always enjoy our conversations and uh this is an energizing thing for me to do so um I I really like it. Thanks. Me too. And thank you. Same. Same, same. And so, folks, thanks again for hanging out with us for a little bit of time today. I hope you found some of these tips and tactics useful that you can take into your own lives. And uh, as Rod said, be kind to yourself. Be compassionate. Um, and don't be hard on yourself if you make mistakes. That's just part of being a human being and All we can do is strive to keep getting better without stressing ourselves out. Thanks very much. Talk to you next week, Rod. Take care.